Hello, and welcome to episode 222 of Relics of Ore. I'm your host, Rybok, and joining me this evening are my lovely co-hosts, Eric and Kate. How are you doing this evening, Eric? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's been two weeks since the last episode, so I'm, I'm uh, chomping at the bit to chat about some things. Yeah, uh, personal crises aside, we are all excited to talk about story. Um, I think that's going to be the main focus of this week's episode. Just be warned, spoilers abound. I think that's your only warning. Uh, aside from that, how are you doing this evening, Kate? I'm good. You know what? R- real talk, uh, 2019 so far, major crotch puncheth. Um, not so good, but... Uh, the fact I can be so excited and energetic here is really good, except for the fact that it's like Australia is trying to murder me with heat and sent it all over here. It was like, get rid of it. And then we got it. Um, but also, I'm not in the Midwest right now. So I guess I got that going for me as well. Yeah. I mean, when is Australia not trying to kill you? I mean, that's it's sort true. of it's thing. true. Yeah. All right. Well, without further ado, I think we're just going to jump right into this episode five story. Do we, I didn't really write down my notes for each instance specifically, although I did take down a few. Do we want to go step by step or just sort of a general discussion? Like what what kind of structure do we want to do? Let's go instance by instance, because I, there's a few things I want to call it in each one, but I don't. I need to go all the way through it. Okay. Do you have a list of the instances in front of you uh, so that we can specifically say which ones they are? I, I I wrote down three of them, but I feel like there was at least like one other one. The there show were, notes. There were actually only three. The oh, show okay. notes break it up, though, by instance and story step. So part one is an instance, part two is open world, part three is an instance, part four is an open world, and part five is an instance. I got you. Okay, you know what? You've upgraded, You've updated this show notes since I looked yesterday, so uh, good on you. It, I am clearly a prepared host. <laughs> um, yeah, well, so part one, we uh, did the Scion and Champion. Uh, we go into Glint's Lair and learn how to use some new uh, situational, the what are those? What are those skills called? The Z skills is what I always call them. Special, Special action. Special action skills. Yeah. Uh, always, always happy to go back to Glint's Fortress. That was one of those really cool places from Guild Wars One, and I am glad that we're getting to go back there in the story. Did you notice that Glint's body is in the instance? Glint's corpse remains. Yes. Yes. Okay. I may or may not have just irreverently hopped. I saw her, and of course, jumping puzzles. <laughs> So I jumped on her and then I turned around and I was like, I wonder if that's like RP appropriate for Shongaku. That seems a bit rude. Then I did some emotes at her to like apologize. I also jumped up on her and felt very bad, but I was like, oh, I wonder if this has collision. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, it does. Um, Just one of those things that you do in MMOs that like definitely you shouldn't shouldn't do elsewhere. But it was really cool. I'm so glad they included that detail. Um, it felt really I guess, poignant is the word that comes to mind, but I'm not sure if that's what I actually, I guess so. Um, not, not just from this particular moment in the story where you're, you know, you're saying, Irene, we haven't really thought about this from your perspective, but it's what it's like to lose your mother and your brother to all this and, and how that pans out. But just to have some resolution on what happened in, in Edge of Destiny and, and all of those little story moments all along that we've 
we've seen pan out from that one moment in time before the game happened just felt like a nice little bow on all of that yeah also just for the record i also jumped on her corpse so okay good uh three to three terrible people excellent good all monsters here (laughs) we're the worst uh yeah uh, i it, it was an interesting instance because it had a couple of mechanics in it that definitely stood out to me um but then it also was it was sort of both a mechanical and a story instance at the same time which i I mean i guess you could kind of say that about most of them but it was both introducing something new but also really like setting the stage for the rest of how this chapter was gonna go so it it was definitely fairly memorable did you guys have some i i feel like i had some issues with um the part where you're channeling the magic with orin the the visuals were just like so uh, bright and overlapping with the AOEs that like half the time I could barely tell what I was looking at. I had that one took me forever because the standard method of charging someone with magic when there's elemental like moats charging at you is kill the moats, take their magic, throw it at the thing, right? Like that's how Guild Wars 2 charges things with magic. It teaches you in Matrika province. It teaches you when you're fighting over moats for magic in the events that they added during the current events thing. Like every time you need to charge a capacitor, you kill the moat. Then you deliver the, the bundle to the place where you need to deliver it. And and no, they, they, they had all these little guys running around that made absolutely no difference as to whether or not you successfully charged aside from it was damage i was so confused it took Uh me 15 minutes to solve the problem because everything that guild wars 2 has taught me is the exact opposite of what in the world they were trying to have me do here you know what at least you're a good student because when you get to the part There's a mechanic where you have to charge the brand crystals by killing branded enemies in the radius. Um, Yeah, yeah. And I, in that one, you can kill them outside it and then throw the branded crystals in. Guess uh, who has been playing this game for six or seven years and completely ignored and missed that mechanic and was raging in the final instance because I couldn't complete it in the time limit because the devourers kept evading backwards out of the cap circles. Ah! But yeah, if you're having trouble with that achievement, just kill the stuff outside the circle and throw the branded crystal in. There you go. Done. Sorted. Plus that damages the ones inside it too, I think. I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, so it's like a double whammy. Uh, Yeah, I... So I think the weird thing was that it was pushing you out of the circle so strongly. Like, there wasn't really a good way to get farther into the circle, was there? Or if there was, I didn't figure it out. I just was sort of stuck on the outside edge of the circle the whole time. Yeah. Um, If you ever have problems with that, the best thing you can do is give yourself uh, swiftness or um, super speed because it counteracts the the wind or it it um makes you go faster with it which is really interesting if you are doing say a raid boss and it pushes you back and you use super speed and then you launch all your friends off the edge i see yeah that's something i had no idea about and i don't usually run uh that on my necro so i was mostly just sort of struggling at the outside of the circle the whole time i definitely i definitely noticed i can't remember which i think i went through on my thief first i've done it on a couple characters because i went back for achievements but i think um 
whichever whichever one I went through first didn't have swiftness, and then the other the next time I went back, I did have it, and it was completely night and day difference, so much easier. Yeah, I had the necro, uh, the scourge, uh, path sand path skill, and the stability combined with swiftness kept me in the circle. But oh my goodness! And then there's all the AOE's in the circle around arene that are like you shouldn't be standing here so i was like oh i need to just pull all of these things into the circle and kill them there and i was like why is that not working yeah it was it was a little uh it was a little a little opaque i guess i would say for exactly what you were so it looks it looks like we all had some things with it the good news is that mechanic never came back also true uh yeah how did you guys feel about the the beers that we got you know towards the end of the insight like uh, they, they seemed fine to me like it kind of seemed fine uh, yeah I, I agree just fine it's bowling for branded though it's you just you get them grouped up and then you just chuck one in the center and then they all go flying away it's like having the number four hammer on guardian just sending branded flopping away from you it it's i thought it felt really good because i was like ha go fetch and yeah. then they caught it pretty entertaining okay so i think i think we were all we all had varying degrees of difficulty with the mechanics on the first part we all were fine with the spears what did you guys how did you guys feel about the story elements i feel like uh it was a pretty there was a moment at the end that was a pretty strong foreshadow of the end of the chapter which i mean again like we've already put our spoiler warning up but like as soon as as soon as Glint was like, "Hey, Orion, I need to like talk to you for a second about your own special little burden." Uh, let's not talk about it in front of the main character. I was like, Ooh, "That's yeah." There's a lot of really interesting sort of little tidbits in that instance. Um, like another one is that well, okay, I guess actually on, on that note first, um, what she wants to talk to Orion about is ascension, um, which. I've, I'm no expert anymore on Ascension if I ever was, but uh, I don't think we really knew that dragons could ascend or, or what Ascension is other than a process that you go through that makes you stronger. I could be totally wrong about that, but I don't, I like me as a, a dedicated player, but a casual lore person, I don't really have an idea of what goes on during Ascension or what it really means other than I have to complete some pretty difficult feats to get there. Um, well are quite powerful we in guild wars one had to complete some difficult feats to prove ourselves worthy of ascension i think so we we'd see the ascension later on in the story okay um another thing to note from that little bit though is when orin comes out of whatever she went to go talk about with glint she has an update to her model um, which is basically glowiness and bioluminescence, like uh, like the like Gasalvari, I think. Um, so that that's different. That's new. Um, the other thing I think that really stood out to me was that when they were doing this sort of exposition bit at the end, Glint was saying Kralkatorik foresaw its own death and was afraid, um, which is really interesting to me from the point of view that Elder dragons have always been sort of a, a mystery to us. What they want, what they what they are, how they started, what their personalities are like. It's always been, um, you know, the line 
sort of of what elder dragons are is forces of nature they're they're blizzards and and storms and uh those things don't think or feel necessarily they just are and they they do (laughs) does that make sense um yeah yeah so a little bit of a inkling of of kralkatorik's what he's like I feel like they've sort of walked back on that, though, because I, I know what you're talking about. And that's specifically something that I think it was probably uh, Re Sosby said, like, way back before Guild Wars 2 even launched. But if you think back on it, Mordremoth, we also got the very, like, personal. That's true, yeah. Like, it, it is a thinking, like unimaginably powerful being but at the end of the day we went into his brain and like talked to him and fought him (laughs) so i feel like they have for lack of a better word humanized them uh Mm -hmm. as creatures uh but also i I do wonder about that though did we actually speak to mordramoth or did we just yell at a psyche and our brains were interpreting what Mordramoth was feeling as speech. But if like if we're able to interpret it, that means that they are thinking in a way that we can interpret in the first place. So even if maybe Mordramoth doesn't technically speak English, for example, uh it does it does sort of mean that he's not unfathomable. And I was gonna say of all the dragons, Kralkatoric being so clearly linked with sort of like Oh, I would say fairly clearly linked with like mesmery type mind magic stuff. Also, it uh, would sort of make sense to have a more mental component. But well, he has also eaten the mantle of a god recently that was fairly good at talking. I mean, not necessarily great. It's mostly smash. Yeah, I don't know. I just I find it really interesting to know something that an elder dragon fears. I guess, which it makes sense that it's its own death. But I, it's been bringing up questions for me that I kind of hope they'll explore in the future about um, the origins of the elder dragons. Where did they come from and And how long? Yeah. What is the process of making an elder dragon? It's like all this stuff is coming up about like, I'm I'm very curious about what happened last time at the moment. Like think of like all the, all the destruction the dragons have worked, wreaked, wrecked, wrecked, wrecked. They've wrecked the world. Rot. There we go. Thank you. Uh, think of all the just destruction the dragons have wrought on the world. Why don't we see it from before? What what cleaned it up? Like, shouldn't there be a giant brand from the last time Krakatoric was doing his thing, or was was last time the first time? Has it happened before the last time? I've I've, I've a lot of questions at the moment that I haven't I think, thought about in a few years. I think part of it's just time, right? It's been what like five thousand years since the last time the dragons woke, so that's mm-hmm. quite a bit of time to cover up some of that stuff. And we did have, you know, the crystal desert. And I mean, I guess there weren't like a ton of crystals in the crystal desert. But additionally, it was said that when Melandru and the gods came to Tyria before the gods came and brought humans, Melandru did a lot of reworking of the surface of Tyria. So assuming that that's actually true, which obviously we've learned that they're not the most reliable narrators, uh, but if that is true, there is an entire possible. It's entirely possible that Melandre went around cleaning up different parts that were mm. corrupted, and that may be one reason why the Codan have stories of Coda, which sound an awful lot like Melandre, and the 
Quaggan have stories and they worship Malagan, who sounds an awful lot like Malandru and those sorts of things. And maybe those are where those stories came from is her coming in and cleaning up messes that uh, the dragons left behind that then the Coden and the Quaggan were dealing with. Yeah. Anyway, um, probably time to move on, though, because we're trying to keep our episodes a little bit shorter and we still have a ton of stuff to talk about. And I think a lot of the speculation is going to wind back in at the end of the chapter anyway. Actually, the next story has a lot of stuff that leads to speculation. Yeah, exactly. So, um... Do we want to talk about the open world part where we go around and build up the spears? I mean, it didn't, it wasn't that, uh, I mean, it was fine, but I, I don't know that there was much worth specifically uh, calling there's, out. There's one thing I do want to call attention to, which is the first time you, or actually, uh, I think you can, you can do it again, but if you come into the zone via the story, there's a special audio, there's a special music that plays, um, which is the Zephyrite choir singing to Orin. Very, very cool. It's up on YouTube if you missed it. It's called um, Orin Dragon Full of Light. Uh, basically just a really cool choral piece. And not only that, but McLean Deemer put Dime, out... Deemer, yeah. Deemer, yeah. Uh, put out sheet music for it. So it's out there in the world. If you want to sing it, if you want to make a cover of it, uh, go for it. It's It's already out there, free for everyone. So really sort of a neat experience and a reminder to turn up your audio if you're playing the story because there's all kinds of goodies that you can miss if you don't also i just looked back at my own personal notes uh i kind of completely forgot about the spear that we as players supposedly broke i guess oops when did that happen (laughs) that was in path Path of fire yeah because uh we were racing balthazar to the spear uh, so that he couldn't use it to just straight up kill Kralkatorik. And after we destroyed the spears, when he was like, well, I guess I'm going to capture Orin. Got it. Okay. I, I vaguely remember that now. I guess I just didn't remember. Yeah, I, I just kind of had blanked that out. It's been a while since I played the story. But yeah, I was like, oh, we broke this? What? But when? Mm. I knew it had to have been <laughs> pretty recently, but uh, obviously not in the living story. So a bit ago. Anyway. Yeah. There was also another step in that actually that's important is that the uh, the awakened that you uh, that you made friends lo- friends with what one map ago yeah in the last map the one that was the annoying sniper she's there with uh, Kaith when you warp into because Kaith meets you in the first instance then when you warp into Thunderhead Keep uh, Amira I think is her name is standing there. It's a- Oh, are, you talking, are you talking about the are you talking about the armor crafter no, um, or the sniper the dead eye it might be the armor crafter it's it's one of the awakened and they look at orin and they say i can feel him in there which i think is really interesting okay i think you're getting two characters mixed up zephira is the zaishan sniper she's the the priestess that that uh that we had the whole instance about the dead eye with and then i think amira is the awakened armor crafter that helps you build up sun's refuge oh well they were both clearly memorable characters for me i think they were uh, both there to be fair yeah yeah i okay that makes more sense uh because i yeah Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So anyways, she can feel Puala Joko inside of Orin, which I think is interesting. Oh, okay. So uh, you might be right, and I might be confused, but I swear, I, I would have sworn that it was Zafira saying uh, she could 
feel Balthazar. So maybe maybe it is both, and maybe I'm extra confused. But I if if Amira said that as well, then that's really cool. I uh, I'm pretty confident that it was about her eating Paola Joko. Is the specific like like there's like yeah he ate that. Let's not talk about that. I will have to go back and and see what I can find. Yeah. Yeah, double check that for me because it's either that she feels Balthazar, who she also ate partially, but it could be either one because both of them got eaten. Although one, yeah, it, it would fit either way. Yeah, which I think is interesting, uh, especially as we move on into the Crystal Blooms, uh, which is referring not to you learning resonance, which I think is interesting. That's what I thought when I first started. I was like, oh, resonance. It's like you know those crystal things are opening up and blooming. No. So we move into the next one. Do you have anything else that you guys want to talk about for part two? Uh, the only thing I want to say about part two is, uh, I guess it's a it's an overall praise of the episode. But man, Dredge in this map and in this story have way more personality than Dredge anywhere else in the world. And it was really cool to meet some cool Dredge for once. Yeah, I was actually going to say the exact same thing. I when I was thinking back on it just now, the I I remembered really enjoying and uh, talking to the Dredge and. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think part of that's because for the most part, the dredge are always enemies. And so you just sort of get repeating enemy dialogue like, no, no, no. Um, but it, having them be allies that you talk to repeatedly during this um, during this story part and let, lets them flesh them out a little bit more, I guess, because they're giving them a lot more ambient dialogue that's not aggressive or about, you know, murdering everybody. Mm hmm. I mean, it's still about murdering everybody. It's just their friends who got branded. Only some oh. everybody's. But yeah. Was, yeah. All of the text was just like, oh, you poor guys. You got wrecked. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So we move into the next instance. I loved that our spiritual messenger was Gwen. That was a nice, nice uh, call out, I guess. I have a question. When did we when did Glint recruit these ghosts? Like did Glint tell us in the first instance, "Hey, I recruited an army of ghosts?" I feel like the a lot of our planning was based on ghosts and then they just show up and I'm like, "Wait, where did they come from?" I'm looking back through previous stories and like it, it was at least um, the final instance of the last chapter where you go into the mists and you're helping Blish plant the tracker. The yeah. ghosts, the ghost army was buying us time to do that. So we've known about it at least since then. And I think before that, That's but right. I can't remember the exact first moment where we heard about it. Okay. And this is a different ghost army than the one we recruited to fight Puala Joko because they were Correct. just signing up to fight Puala Joko, the primeval ghosts. Okay. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. So that's probably two or three stories back. I looked back at least one story and I was like, I don't, where did we recruit these guys? I'm confused. Yeah, there's a lot of wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, space and timey, uh, <laughs> like ghosts coming out of every, every, uh, metaphysical orifice. Yeah, that's true. Which, like, uh, I'm not sure how I feel about it from a story beat perspective because it sort of trivializes things when uh, it, it sort of trivializes things like character death or narrative like stakes when you're just having ghosts fight and i mean i don't know maybe these ghosts are being destroyed to oblivion when they get killed in heavy quotes but who's to say but it, it 
yeah, I don't it's it feels very different than in the early days when we had to gather all of the forces of the living nations and fight ourselves a big dragon and now we're just like, "Well, what if we just got a bunch of ghosts instead? That'd be tight." <laughs> it feels more like a um that feels like the type of plot that you should only use once, I guess. Like, yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's um it's just all a bit weird. I think like it's gone a little bit too far for for my taste anyway. Um, having characters of the past just be able to pop into our reality at any moment, even like uh, in Guild Wars Two in general, I feel like they rely too much on the mists for oh, it's weird because the mists and maybe I I guess lore wise we're at a point where maybe the mists are more accessible and and magic being wild uh, is causing things to get a I little mean, bit. I mean, we're half sunk into the mists at this point. It's true. Yeah. For yeah, I don't know. I'm just not a huge fan of like the the mists being everything and and being easily able to traverse in and out of it constantly. We just do it for fun. We go to like worldly world is like just pop into the mists and have a good old time and then come back or do whatever you want. You can, I don't care. Yeah. Cause I mean, that is where the afterlife exists as, as much as one can say the afterlife is a specific thing in this universe. Right. Like I yeah. can say that it's one specific thing and that's Kralkatoric's belly. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, Eric, I see a lot of speculation here about this instance. You want to, you want to just uh, let it loose. Okay, yeah. If someone would like to open with a song, with a rendition of Let It Go. Uh, yeah, so you get in there, the ghost shows up, Gwen shows up, tells you stuff. I'm like, where did they come from? Then I'm like, wait, why is Kralkator getting more powerful by eating ghosts? I'm like, well, I guess they get more powerful by eating magic. Then I started thinking about their mantles because, you know, everything's got a mantle. Balthazar built a brand new mantle out of a bloodstone and uh, whatever other power he was able to steal. What else was he building it out of? He used a bloodstone. He had another source of power, though, for his mantle, right? That he built? I don't know off the top of my head. Big question mark. I feel like there was another, like, he did something else. The mists. I can't. No. Nah. I mean, he messed with, he stole Lazarus. Oh, he had a mirror from Lissa. Yeah, he so he stole Lazarus. God's, God power stuff, things, and, yeah, so he, he had an artificial mantle. Uh, which was still effective, which I think is really interesting, is the gods' mantles don't seem to leak because they don't seem to be concerned about regaining magic so much. But maybe that's because they're not on Tyria. Like, it may just be a, a facet of being outside of the mists. Which is why they may have had to exodus at some point. Yeah, who's to say? Yeah. So it's interesting, though, that the dragons different than the gods their mantles whatever their power source is seems to be a bit defective and part of this hunger might be the fact that whatever for whatever reason their mantle being defective needs to be constantly regenerated and so they're doing things like eating all the ghosts in the uh in the what domain of the lost i think they called it yep yeah and so the place where we got to hang out with the judge who is going to be the replacement for grenth i'm pretty confident just mean is going down uh so there, there's this interesting thing about how Kralkatork's eating. He's growing more powerful. So now we're going to have to deal with him at some point. Then then we play through the instance. We fight a bunch of of Branded. And we realize that Kralkatork is definitely getting more powerful because now he's able to send Branded underground, which apparently he wasn't able to do before because uh, his rifts can now penetrate deep into Tyria. I don't feel like if you can just teleport anywhere, why does underground 
Eh, maybe it's because there's a lot of stuff underground in Tyria. I mean, we had an entire race, well, an entire player race whose civilization was subterranean, let alone like the dredge and stuff like that. There appears to be That's an entire Tyria under Tyria that mm. pretty much only Primordis has any like call over. That makes sense. So he finds us, he starts attacking us, and then after we defeat them, uh, we see that uh, Orene is capable of branding things or reverse branding, and she basically reverse brands a bunch of the branded, which kills them. And then Cave is like, oh, I understand her so well because I am a plot device and I'm going to walk up to her because that is, goodness, that is at this point is a plot device. Uh, and she gets pseudo branded, which I think is quite interesting. I sort of see it not as much as reverse branding as more like a, what is it? Like Verata's aura where you get to like the, the necro skill from Guild Wars one, where you just yeah. basically overwrite the control of the, the minions. Um, but in this case, it's being done by something that's not malevolent and domineering in nature. So it's like, you know, uh, where Kraukatoric is, is an elder dragon and it basically just wants you to do whatever it wants you to do. And it, it basically removes free will from the thing it brands. I think it, it felt to me like Orin was also branding them, but you know, leaving free will intact because she's a good character raised by the player character. Um, but it, like, it didn't, it didn't really seem to me like it was a different magic as much as just, uh, a nicer implementation of the same magic, if that makes sense. Kind yeah. of like, kind of like the, um, the Silvari race in general, right. Is like, they were originally dragon minions, but the, the pale tree was influenced and gave basically immunity to its own descendants for the most part. Um, like, yeah, I don't know. It does make me wonder, like Spirit was saying, about the origin of the dragons and sort of why they exist and if potentially at one point they were actually the generators of life on Tyria, the origin point, and they were creating minions, but the minions were actually not minions, they were just beings. And if something came in and subverted or messed with that, that cycle cough cough human gods <laughs> i mean probably yeah i would love to, i would love to spend some time exploring that kind of stuff maybe and then maybe not the next chapter i don't know i don't know what comes after kralkatoric well and i mean maybe that's the ultimate reason why the human gods left right it's not just that they were interfering but also like maybe they were really interfering in ways that fully appreciate because uh, mm. it it sort of seems to me as though the dragons might just be sort of the natural regulators of magic on Tyria. Like they they consume and and emit and like transform the sort of chaotic energy of the planet via the ley lines into a hospitable like that may be their passive function basically. Uh and like maybe they wake up when stuff be going bonkers, yo. Like <laughs> gotta gotta take some proactive feeding measures, right? Um, and that's why whenever we kill one, everything goes even crazier. Uh, but I don't know. It's, it's a little unclear and I don't remember how many, if any of those answers we've ever gotten at this point in quite a long yeah. time. 
I think we know that they were regulators and that they would wake up and reset magic and sort of re retune it. But as far as like where they came from and their original purpose, were they originally the regulators? That's that is definitely a, a question. And and the human gods definitely threw that out of whack, showing up and then giving humans crazy powers. And then I think probably less than perhaps because the king went to them and was like, hey, guys. We should uh, probably stop letting you, you know, you should probably stop letting the humans nuke each other and everything else. And maybe instead they were looking at going, these things are going to wake up pretty soon. We should probably slow this, that slow this whole magic thing down. Uh, so that's a, yeah, I'm curious. Yeah. So, so this story ended with Kate getting blue branded, so to speak, I guess. Uh, it's a fairly pretty effect. And I guess we can buy the, by the excuse that she was able to be branded by another dragon because she volunteered for it, I guess. Sure, it's fine. I mean, we know that other dragons can take over Silvari because of Cole. It's totally canon that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Cough. I mean, there's also there's also the aspect that um, Orion's egg was hatched by Morjamoth's death. And so it's quite possible that she's got a special connection to the Silvari that other dragons don't have. Ooh, oh, good call. I like yeah, that. She was, uh, she's, she's running Mordremoth energy, which I think is, uh, was one of the coolest effects in the next story instance. Yeah. So let's just skip on over to there because, uh, you know, a word, unless, unless anybody had any extra stuff to talk about this instance. Uh, I think the third instance is really the big, you know, the big whammy part of the story. Yeah. I'm glad. Oh, before we get into serious stuff, I forgot to say one thing about the first instance. I swear to God, Arena Net, I, I will tolerate that we did three trials in Glint Slayer one more time. No more. No more three trials. This is the last three trials that I will do. I will skip it if we have to do it again. No more three trials. Over three trials. Way over three trials. Three trials ago. Yeah, I'm, I don't think you're really going to be happy about that, though, because uh, that's pretty much just standard video game fare in pretty much anything uh, ever. But, uh, but we do you know it what? so much. How many Five times? Five trials. Three, trial, three trials to see if we can hold Orion's egg. Three trials to to raise Orin. Three trials to see if Orin wants to be friends with us. Three trials, uh, Orin. I'm so I'm so I'm over it. I'm done. I'm just well. well the, good news, Spirit. There's some real good news coming up that suggests you will okay. not have to do that ever again. Except next okay. time it's going to be three trials to make sure Cave is a feeling okay. God. <laughs> Okay. Anyways, but even so, I'm not. I don't, I'm not going to write it off. I think we're going to do three more trials for Arena. You heard it I here. I hope that it is. I hope that it is five. Well, I mean, they are doing three trials for Arena on the website right now. You read I have no three. idea what you're talking about. On uh, GuildWars2.com, there are three short stories about characters that you may or may not care about uh, reacting to the end of the latest instance. They have Ritlock's reaction up first. So they're jumping on the uh, YouTubers react trend from three years ago. Pretty much. Sort of. <laughs> uh, I need to read the Ritlock one because I read the preview and I was like, this doesn't this isn't even like, is this really Ritlock who's talking? Because they're not writing a Ritlock's voice. Anyway, uh, okay. first thing I want to say about instance three is that cinematic camera. You have heard me complain on this podcast for literally six years or whatever we've been doing <laughs> thing that. I am so tired of them saying, oh, hey, look at that in this game that's 
full of visual noise and like tons of battle and like a huge beautiful world where like you're looking all over the place all the time but like there is not a very descriptive place uh in this huge map and how often i've missed what they're telling me to look at because i i just don't know where specifically they want me to look or maybe i was looking at something else and they said hey look there and then bam the camera pans towards what they want me to look at and i freaking praised praised jeebus uh <laughs> i was really happy that they implemented that tech uh bravo yeah that worked it did work really well in this especially mm-hmm. in this instance yeah now granted it was for something that was so large you practically could not have missed it if you wanted to but still the tech exists and they can use it. So they did use it for a few things like when Orin in the uh, in the what part two, when Orin comes and blows fire into the kiln, they used it to. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I just uh, I had the notes under three because it was more prominent here. And I would actually suspect yeah. that. Uh, I would actually suspect that they use that same tech for the very end of the instance, but we'll we'll talk about that a little mm. bit later because it was in engine. Oh yeah, I think part of that was by basically manually forcing the camera orientation and and that type of stuff. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So, Spirit, do you want to give us the summary of this this uh, instance? I suspect you're one of the few people. Actually, Grybot, Spirit, have you guys finished the time trial, the speed run of this instance? I have. I have not. I don't do story achievements anymore. They just kind of annoy me now. So, Spirit, you've clearly done it more than I have. Uh, you want to walk us through what happens? Um, also, well, the well, interesting the f- hard mode options, too, which I think was interesting. Optional. I'm pr- yeah, I'm- the first... Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, the short, the short version is we have to hit it in three places, also known as three trials of hitting Kralkator. I don't, I don't have I don't have an issue against the number three. I just want to know when the end of Glint's trials are. There, I'm 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 admit it. I'm you trial out three. Never. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyway, you start you start uh, in in what I found to be kind of an interesting way with a very serious um sort of entry into the waiting area it's it's cool to be luring a dragon in for once as opposed to our grand crazy frantic assaults on the the previous big bads um so it was a really nice sort of very tense tense moment to get to talk to all your allies and and look around and see a bunch of cool things right at the start of the instance uh, one of those cool things is a bunch of awakened Silvari that had died during the assault on Joko that are now joining you. I believe there's a Char as well. Um, so that was cool to see. There's a bunch of NPCs that that have cool dialogue al- around. I think there was one that stood out to me. I think it was in the open world and not in the story, but there was a packed uh, woman who was writing home to her daughter and she would read out a line and said no i no i can't say it that way she'll think it's her fault or um you know don't i don't want her to think of me like that forever um so some really cool little details like that 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 really drive home the tension and and how how scary this is to be to be doing a a full-fledged assault on a dragon uh especially when they were planning to do it but the timeline got moved up a lot by him just popping into the underworld and having a good munch so I I really enjoyed that 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 opening sequence even though it wasn't particularly active the atmosphere was bang on 
And then uh, once you get into the actual sort of combat part, you have to go around charging up three different resonance crystals, which is basically using the mechanics from the first instance. And uh, it's a really nice one of those... uh, one of those chapters that feels like a conclusion to things where like when you've gone through the whole TV series, and you meet all these characters. And then in the last episode, they all come together like, oh, we're here to help you because you helped us out that one time six episodes ago. Um, it, it was it was one of those where it was nice to see everybody working together and all these things that we've been setting up for a long time finally start to fall into place and and people uh, talking to each other just in ways that you you haven't noticed before. Logan Thackeray, my God, that that man has developed a, a sense of sass since becoming the Pact Marshal. Well, I mean, he finally dumped his illusory girlfriend for you know reality, so that's good. Yeah, that's true. That's that is true. Uh, I, I really like the one line though. Of, you had to dump one half of Alyssa. Yeah, uh, I can't remember I exactly what it was, but it was like. Uh, as as you were flying over Kralkatorik, which, by the way, you fly over Kralkatorik in the instance. How cool is that? Uh, and he's huge and takes up, like, the whole instance. Uh, Zephyr is like, you know, take whatever time you need. And Logan's like, when she said take your time, she didn't mean take your time. I really enjoyed that line a lot. It was well delivered. I was playing through it. I was like, man, there's a lot of people with sass in this instance. Then I was like, well, there are a lot of people dying. So that's probably why. That's true. I did, I did feel it a little bit on like a, a raid leader level. Like when I said do the thing, I meant do the thing. I will say either there was a bug or I didn't notice that you're supposed to use the alternate special action key or whatever to do the to execute the like ley line glide over the dragon. Um mm-hmm. I, I think I glitched it out because I, I noticed it immediately when I restarted the instance. But uh, yeah, aside from that, I had smooth sailing. Just a just a little note I remember now that we're talking about doing that. So yeah, yeah go, I'll keep going, Spirit. Um, so you, you make your way sort of up through the resonance crystals. You see uh, your allies from different places. Zafira brings in you know a whole bunch of Zaishan. It's not just her anymore. She, she rallies the Zaishan to your cause, which is cool. Uh, apparently that was one of those moments where they're like here we're gonna pan your camera for you can see but she's very small she's a normal sized human (laughs) she's very far away and i did not see her but it happened apparently um and the dredge turn up with their tanks and and say you know we're we're in this too we're all in this together uh and then you make your way sort of to the final area and and get sort of in Kralk's face so you've you've been winding sort of up his neck and then you're looking at him dead in the eye uh and and it's uh yeah it's really cool looking at an elder dragon face to face having a having a go at you um and he you charge up the last crystal and finally he's like I've I've had enough this is this has gone too far and looks you right in the eye which is a really really cool moment just looks right at you and uh, start charging up his laser, which I think you wanted to say something about that, Eric, right? Yeah, the fact that as he's charging the laser, you see uh, an image of Mordramoth, Zaitan, and Balthazar sort of manifest around him, which I thought was real interesting about the fact that, yeah, not only is he using Kralk's, his normal power, but he's now begun to become these other things too, which I think is uh, pretty nuts. As far as, and it may be one reason why we're seeing some changes in his model, aside from, you know, functional tech, uh, some characteristic changes, because he's beginning to become 
the something else. A lot like Oliver Queen and Arrow. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> well, at least some, at least you laughed. <laughs> yeah, that was a okay. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. So after that, what happened, Spirit? Uh, actually, can you take this? I'm desperately looking up something because I remembered something okay. cool, but I can't. I need to find where it comes from. So he does a blast. There's this huge damage. The, the entire one side of the air of the cavern you're fighting him in is branded, and then you start. Uh, you start. Um, what is it? He blasts it. Uh, Bram puts up a bubble, I believe, or something. Some, how, somehow you get a bubble up around you. There's the blast. And then Orin flies out of the bubble and then you actually fight uh, his eye. You actually start just beating on his eye uh, yeah. because it, it was actually really cool. The collision was a bit wonky. Like half the time my skills weren't procking because they were like obstructed, obstructed, obstructed. But other than once I figured out which skills actually did damage, that helped. Um, and using the spear was quite helpful in order to actually, you know, uh, do the break bar damage because the spears did crazy break damage. So you fight him, you fight him down and you, it's like three steps again. Cause you th things come in threes. Uh, and I think there's a psychological reason for that, uh, from a design perspective, but beyond that. So you fight his eye one place, you fight his eye another place. And then you, do you only actually no? I think it's just the two places, right? Or is it three? It's two or three places. You fight the eye, and Kralkatork is like smashing the wall to knock you over and knock you back, and like trying to take you out with branding magic and that sort of thing. And you, Arene, do some team up attacks and just smash into that eye. And then as you're like, okay, he's getting down to like uh, what, like thirty percent health, ten percent health, something like that. I think it's twenty five, but yeah. I don't know. So around 25% health, he he rears back and uh, does he rear back or does he go down? I think he goes down and you're getting ready to do like a final strike on him and or you're no something happens where you get knocked down. You're laying there and you see the eye closed and Orin's in front of you and then the eye opens again and because you think, oh, wait, he's not dead yet. The eye opens, and he's about to do a breath attack on you. Orin blocks the breath attack with her breath attack, uh, which I think we've seen her do before. Yeah, I think she did stuff like that to Balthazar and stuff. Uh, at which point, then there's a massive explosion, and you are blown into the final scene from Mass Effect 3. Blah! That means nothing to me. I've not played that game. <laughs> Uh, well, you now you've played the final scene of Mass Effect Three now because okay, uh, uh, it was really okay. effective in Mass Effect Three, and it was effective here too. It's a it's a great technique where your weapon you are you wake up and you're limping and you're just your character is exhausted. I feel like Mass Effect Three, the last mission, did a little bit better job. Of, well, actually, this mission was really good at sort of having a fatigue level to it, just with how long it is and what all's going on in the intensity level. Uh, so you have this silent moment where sort of everything's dark. You can't really, the edge of your screen is dark and they're as Grybach was describing, they, they follow your character up and I thought it was, I thought it was well done in like, you know, the, the weight of the moment too. Like you fall over, a you go off like a cliff that your character would normally just, you know, keep walking off, but like you fall and you go to your knee and then you keep going and there's some people laying there, uh, that are, not look like they're doing well. Bram comes around a corner and he looks so quite distraught. And then you come around and you see Orin. And uh, yeah, that was uh, 
when I first saw it, it was like, oh, oh, they did that. Then my next thought was, sweet, all the minions are good. Oh, no, wait, dragon minions don't die when the dragon dies. <sighs> and she's like, oh, but look, my my flower's going away. I'm like, come on, come on, more than the flower, more than the flower. Wow. Oh, she's You're still bloodthirsty. She is literally a plot device. I have just played through it's not Heart her of fault. Thorns with my wife. And oh, my goodness, the character has like none of her decisions make sense except for, hey, we needed this thing to be in this place to do this thing. Who could we get to do that? Well, how about Cave? And it's like, she should explain herself. It's like, well, there wasn't actually a good reason for her to do any of those things, but that's who we chose. I'm not uh, saying you're wrong. I was just saying it's not her fault. I, yes, the Cave from Edge of Destiny, the book, super cool. The Cave from Guild Wars 2, kind of frustrating <laughs> kind of is not necessary just just straight frustrating so so she's still alive and i'm certain that now she's gonna take on the mantle of kalkatoric instead of Orin. and uh yeah and she's gonna become one of the new uh elder deities of of tyria just like uh she's basically identical to uh cormir at this point in my opinion uh... but there was a really sad thing that happened which is Orin apparently has died which i think is rough i don't think anybody believes that that's permanent it's like a marvel yeah. movie death i might believe it if we didn't just have this whole talk about how death means literally nothing at the moment with the mist being so wibbly wobbly timey wimey and ever like right. literally everyone that we ever know has died has popped back to be like hey at some point well, like, I mean, the whole first instance was a dead dragon giving us our mission and telling us how yeah. to ascend. And like, yeah, uh, uh, I'm going to say I'm going to throw out my tinfoil prediction right now that we are going to get not only Orin in the next chapter, but also Snaff. Oh, I, I, so we've met Snaff's ghost, right? Yeah, sort of. But like, what about his mind? Right, that's the thing. Uh -huh. is he's got to be in Kralk. Like he's got to yeah. still be in there. I've been saying that since you know I read the book. I was like, since yeah, since day one. There? Yeah, that would be. He's, be super he's still cool. in there. We're having a Silvar or a, we're having a uh, uh, an Asura proto dragon mesmer mind meld uh, dragon fight. It's happening right now. You heard it here, folks. That's what's happening in episode six. Just saying it right now. She needs to ascend by leaving her mortal shell behind. Oh, man. So now she's inside of Kralkatorik's head with Snaff fighting Kralkatorik, who is yeah. now the biggest pirate in Tyria. Yarr! Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's my read on it. I mean, it's just, it's so, <laughs> you know, it's so intentionally suspect to have a hidden dialogue from the player about how to quote unquote yeah. ascend. And like, then afterwards, you know, you're, you're told that Orin is very afraid and you need to be strong for her. It's like, okay, you know that she just got told that she was going to have to die, but like also probably not going to stay dead. You know, if you play your cards right or whatever. One thing I think is going to be really interesting is with Orin dead though, and her magic leaving her body, uh, Paula Joko's not locked up anymore. I mean, didn't I mean he's eaten, right? Like he's just dead. 
No. So here's the thing. They so spirit. Were you able to validate whether or not it was Balthazar or Zaita or Poala Joko that the person said they could feel inside Orin? I was looking up something else, but I will check that right now. Because if I it's mean, Poala Joko, he's coming back. That just might mean his power is there, though. Like you're eating, you're eating. Possibly. I think he's coming back too. I think he I think that the only thing keeping him from coming back was that his power was locked up inside Orin. But who knows? Maybe about maybe Kralkatorik. Maybe that's what when we go into Kralkatorik's head, like Kralkatorik ate Orin's power. And so now he uh, Poala Joko is inside Kralkatorik's head fighting for control against Snaf and Orin and Balthazar's in the mix, too. Okay, so many dead people information that upon loading in, uh, it's Zafira talking about Balthazar. OK. I suppose that makes sense. I still think I still think that Paula uh, Joke is coming back. But uh, do we, Spirit? Is there anything else? What else were you looking up? Oh, so the the thing that I was looking up is I was trying to determine which cutscene it is. There's a really cool sequence at the end where Kralkatorik's pulling pulling his head back out of the mountain, and he's kind of looking at you with one eye completely destroyed. Yeah, I've actually seen that before in a cutscene. I had to figure out which one it was. It's the vision that the Eye of Janthir gives us at the end of season three. Wow. So yeah, that's been planned for a while, which is cool. I don't know. We we get this kind of stuff. Uh, I don't want to say all the time, but we've we've had a dragon that has been capable of giving us visions for a long time, and so there's been a lot of little details that connect over time, or we've been subjected to visions by hopping into a machine and stuff. So. Uh, I always love when one of those little things pays off. It's usually really frustrating at the time because you see it and you're like, I don't know what this means. And then later on you go, oh, now I know what this means. Um, yeah, cool. I, I like wow. I like those little details. Yeah, I'm watching it right now. And uh, yeah, you assume that it's tied to Balthazar being, you know, Balthazar. But who boy, that's, huh. Wow. Well, on that note, I think we might want to wrap it up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's uh, putting us right at about almost exactly an hour, which is sort of fitting into our slightly shorter, but still not really short time frame we're looking for. Uh, is there any last notes anybody wants to say about uh, this chapter? Uh, I thought it was really good, and I think that their dragon fights definitely are pretty good now. Yeah, I have to say, I I don't know. I, I felt a little bit bad how little I cared that Irene died. Like, I just don't have that much attachment to this dragon. Um, also, I don't think that it's dead, dead. So that sort of blunts some of it. But like, with how, with how much everybody was talking about how sad the end of this episode was, I kind of thought Timey was going to get nommed. Oh, no. Yeah. But like, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's all the characters were very sad, but uh, I just, yeah, I don't know. I will say there was an incredible meme online where they took the Thanos line from the end of Avengers Infinity War, and it's Thanos... Spoilers and, for Infinity War, by the way. Yeah, spoilers for Infinity War. It's Thanos talking to young uh, Gamora in the space between existence or whatever, and he's like, and she looks at him, and, she's, and he said, and it's something to the effect of uh, diviners... You know what? I'm just going to click on this thing. I'm just going to read. Are diviner stats finally in PvE? Thanos says, yes, what did it cost? Everything. And then just dead already. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely lost it when I saw that in the show. It was pretty great. So props to whoever shared that on Reddit. That was incredible. 
All right, cool. Well, um, I think the plan is that we will be back next week and be discussing the map and all that type of stuff. If real world hits again and we don't make it, well, then it'll probably be in two weeks. But uh, thank you for listening and thank you for joining us tonight, my fellow co-host. And we'll be back. This has been another episode of Relics of War. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofor.com, email us at relicsofor at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.